1: Jesus said, If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The widow of a man who died suddenly felt that because her children were so young, it would be best if they did not attend the funeral. The seeds of fear, however, had been planted into the lives of the children, and feelings of dread came over them each time they passed the cemetery. One day the mother's friend made what seemed a strange suggestion. Let's have a picnic here by the gravesite one day, she said. It's a mistake to imagine that this is only a place to think about death, she insisted. This is also a place to rejoice in life, to find new strength to live our own lives, she said. This simple act of sharing a meal around the gravesite of their father convinced both children that there was actually nothing to fear about the death of their father. In fact, they used the occasion to share many precious memories of their father. The idea of having a meal by the side of a grave might indeed seem strange. Yet that is similar to what Jesus instructed us to do. Christians regularly remember how Jesus died in their place by partaking of a simple meal of bread and wine. We call this time of remembrance communion. The difference, of course, is that Jesus not only died, he rose again. This is Set Free with Ken Legg.
0: And thanks for joining us. It's been an interesting week as we've looked at some of the basics for new Christians. And so far we've looked at Bible reading, prayer, fellowship and water baptism. And it's Phil here and welcome Ken. Our subject today
1: is Communion. Yes, uh, Jesus instituted communion for the church. Uh, let me read to you, Phil, from Matthew chapter 26 and verse 26 where he did so. It says, As they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Now, of course, I think it's important to, you know, to, to remark on the fact that it wasn't the literal body and blood of the yeah. Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, in John chapter 6, he said that his followers were to eat his flesh and drink his blood in order to have spiritual life. But he was obviously speaking figuratively. You know, he said in other uh, occasions, I am the door. He <laughs> wasn't a literal door. He said, I am the vine. He wasn't a literal vine. He was talking figuratively. So it's obvious that he was doing that here. In fact, he said in John chapter 6, you know, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. So he wanted us to get the spiritual lesson and implication from it. So if you like, the body and the blood are symbolized by the bread and the wine. We need to feed on Jesus spiritually, just as we need to be nourished by our physical food. Uh, And his blood cleanses us from sin so that his life becomes our life. And we, of course, live by that life. It was so typical
0: of Jesus to use that kind of language because he often used things that we could understand and, and relate to. And I don't know about you, Ken. Food is something I relate to. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think we all do, yeah. It's, but it's called communion, though. Why? Why is it called communion? Yeah, well, let's uh, read from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16. Uh Paul, when he's talking about the communion service, he says, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? And the bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? So the Greek word translated as communion is koinonia, or some people say koinonia. It means to hold something in common with others. Now at communion, we partake together together in the benefits of the life and death of Christ.
0: But it's sometimes called uh, other things too, isn't it? The breaking of bread, for example, in uh, Acts chapter 2?
1: Yeah. Okay, let's look at that. Now, the bread, as we've said, symbolizes the body of Christ that was broken for us. Uh, And yet we are now the body of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ, though broken into many pieces and scattered throughout the world, is nevertheless still one body. It's uh, something that I never cease to marvel at, Phil. Wherever I go, uh, and I often do go to other countries around the world, and yet you connect immediately mm. with other members of the family, uh, other Christians. You come across other Christians in those uh, countries, different cultures, different backgrounds, and so on, never met them before, but there's that immediate connection uh, because we are one body. It's that common union that we have, the communion. Yeah. That draws us together. That's right. Now, here's another um, term that's used uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 21. It's called the Lord's table. Let me read that to you. Uh, Paul says, You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and the table of demons. Now, it's called the Lord's table because, you know, when, when you sit down at a table, you have a meal together, uh, and that's what brings you together with others. So, we, we're gathered around the Lord's table. At Corinth, of course, they would come to the temples and eat at the tables of the idols that they worship there. And so that was the common factor that brought them together. But for us, it's the Lord's table. We're Mm -hmm. gathered together around him. Um, In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 10, we read that we have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. So our faith, if you like, is identified by where or what we gather around. It's sometimes called the Lord's Supper as well, isn't it? I love that. The Lord's Supper because, you know, the Lord instituted the Lord's Supper and he He's invited us to his place <laughs> for supper. Uh, he's the one that's put it on, and uh, he wants us to celebrate with him, not just once or twice, but regularly the wonderful benefits of his death mm. that uh, are given to us through the grace
0: of God. We often think of communion as something that happens at church, maybe once a week or whenever we might do it, but the Bible says whenever you eat and drink, whenever you get together, you know, do this in remembrance
1: yeah. of me. That's all the time. That's right. I think we can get religious about it. It's got to be in a certain place at a certain time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. But as you say, we, believers can do that anytime, anywhere, where they celebrate what Jesus has done. Okay, what about the scripture that says that we should examine
0: ourselves before we eat and drink, lest we eat and drink unworthily? Or I think it actually
1: says that we heap condemnation upon ourselves. Yeah, because in so doing, you 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 bring judgment upon yourself. Now, um, I remember the days, Phil, as a young Christian where uh, we used to, Hear that verse regularly, just before the Lord's Supper, and then as then a we'd uh, what was that as a big stick, as of. a big stick, and then we'd be told, "Well, now if you if you feel unworthy this week, then you should let the cup and the bread go past. So don't don't eat, otherwise you eat and drink judgment to yourself." Now, when you look at it, um, Paul didn't say he that eats and drinks unworthy, but unworthily. <laughs> um, we're all unworthy, and mm. that's not a disqualification. That is what qualifies us. We're coming to the Lord to partake of his salvation because we are not worthy in our own righteousness to stand before Christ. So it's not Paul doesn't say uh, to eat and drink unworthy. None of us are worthy. He's the one that's made us worthy. We're we're righteous in him, but unworthily. And when you look at the background to this epistle, uh, the church at Corinth, they would come together not as the body of Christ, but as a fragmented body, as a body that was ripping itself apart. They were taking one another to court, there were divisions amongst them. There were little groups and little cliques. Uh, when they did come together, they had this sort of agape meal attached to the communion where everyone brought their own you know, food, but some were, were kind of bringing extravagant food and others were just having their Vegemite sandwiches. Mm-hmm. And, and so you know, there was a kind of a them and us mentality. They were taking one another to court. This is what was going on in the local church at Corinth. And, and Paul said, look, you're not drinking and eating worthily. This is a celebration of the body of Christ. We being many are yet one body. But you're kind of um, living in a way that's uh, divided. You're like a tattered garment, and and that's to eat and drink unworthily. Mm. And for our international listeners, Vegemite is a wonderful
0: Australian cuisine. You need to try at some stage. (laughs) Just while we wrap this up, Ken, we've been talking about some of the fundamentals, the basics for new believers this week, and today particularly about communion. Any
1: final thoughts? Yeah, communion is uh, what we call a sacrament or a, a, an ordinance of the church. Uh, you know, we talked about baptism earlier in the week. Now we're talking about communion. And communion is the one that's done regularly. Baptism, you do that once, yep. but communion is a regular thing that reminds us of, um, you know, what Jesus did for us. And I, I have found and observed that those churches which tend to do that less and less, or even not at all, get away in their focus from the centrality of the cross. They might preach more of a social gospel or, or uh, bring another emphasis. And they, they forget the fact that the central message of the church is that Jesus died and rose again. That's where our life is to be found in him. Jesus said, do this until I come. And, and one day we are going to feast together in his kingdom with him. And so every time we do it, it's one less time, but, but one more time closer to when he's coming again. And bring that on. Amen.
0: that brings us to the end of our series this week. Hope you can join us next week when we start a brand new one. Until then, remember, you don't have to carry that baggage. God wants you to be set free.
1: For books, DVDs, small group studies and other resources from Ken Legg and details about Ken's ministry, shop online at vision.org.au. That's vision.org.au.